You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Y'all ready for the Word? Yes. (laughs) Me too. Well, let's pray. Father, we love you tonight, and as always, we're just so grateful and thankful for the opportunity that we have to gather together in your name. I thank you that Jesus told us that when two or three gather together in your name, that you're right here in our midst. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're here, not just where I am, but in every place where all of us are are gathered. Lord, I thank you that your anointing is present. I thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we believe and and ask you to reveal your word to us. We thank you for insight, for wisdom, for revelation like never before. Father, thank you for making your word clear to us so that we can incorporate it into our lives, we can be changed by it, and then we can be doers of it as well. And so, Father, I thank you that as we uh, get through tonight and as we end our time, we're going to be better off than when we started because we're believers and not doubters, and we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's hit on a couple of our uh, foundation scriptures just for the sake of review, and um, we won't turn there just for the sake of time tonight, but John 21, 25, we've looked at that now for about 19 weeks. Uh, This is week 19, by the way of our uh, study, exhaustive study on the healings of Jesus. And uh, so we begin looking at John 21, 25, and I'm going to read it to you from the Amplified Bible. It says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, if they should be all recorded one by one in detail, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain or have room for the books that would be written. And of course, as we've said Uh, Week after week, you know, thank goodness uh, we have what we have, and thank goodness it's uh, it's enough. The Holy Spirit provided that for us. Uh, You know, it would be wonderful to be able to have everything that Jesus said and did, but thank goodness we have what the Holy Spirit wanted us to have, and it's more than enough for us to have our lives impacted and changed, and so that we can receive what those folks received. And so we're Uh, studying these healings in depth, detail, line upon line, so that we can learn what the people did, because we know that if we will do what they did, we can receive what they got. And so I'm thankful for that. We've also been looking at Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, and it says this also in the Amplified Bible, how God anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with strength and ability and power, how he went about doing good and in particular curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil for God was with him. So we see clearly in this scripture, of course there are other scriptures that will corroborate this, but in this scripture we see that it was God who anointed Jesus who went about doing good, the King James says, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So healing is good. Healing is of God, and it is God's will. It's God's plan for his people. And so uh, 
you know, I just love the fact that we see that so clearly in that verse. Now, as I've been telling you, and we're going to look at a lot of details tonight in, in a particular situation, but as I always tell you, pay attention to the details. We don't want to miss any details because, uh, you know, as I tell you over and over again, uh, there, there is nothing accidentally in the Bible. There's nothing random in the Bible. Uh, it's all there on purpose. And so, as we've also said every week from Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23, how Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and disease. And then Matthew 9.35 basically says the same thing. And so, as we've said, we see here a synopsis of Jesus' ministry, how Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. So this is three areas that Jesus thought were pretty important. So we want to emphasize what Jesus emphasized. And I'll say this, uh, you know, I can say this about myself, or if you were called to the ministry, you, you will never go wrong preaching, teaching, and healing because you're following in the footsteps and in the example of the Lord Jesus. And so healing is a truth that belongs to us. I want to say this to you. Healing is not a promise. Healing is a fact, just like salvation is not a promise. A promise is something that which is to come. Uh, healing and salvation have already been bought and paid for. Jesus uh, went to the cross. He's already paid the price. So healing and salvation belong to us. They are a what's called a redemption fact. It is not a promise. And, uh, you know, so we need to, to understand that clearly. Now, one of the reasons that we're talking about this is, is that, uh, how many of you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what you hear is what you're going to have faith to, to receive. So here's my desire as we wrap this up, uh, you know, possibly next week um, in these 19 cases that we've, that we've studied and are studying is that you will have faith not only to receive healing for yourself, but you will become skilled at receiving healing for yourself and you'll become skilled and, and be skilled at ministering healing to other people. And so that's what we're after. And so I hope this is working in you. I know this has done me good to go back and study these things and, and uh, I'm just thankful for it. So let's look in our Bibles at Mark chapter five, Mark the fifth chapter, and we're gonna begin in verse one. And we're going to talk about the madman of Gadara tonight. Somebody says, well, he, he didn't get a healing. Well, yes, he did. Uh, let me just make a little comment. You know, if you're familiar with this story, you know this man uh, dealt with some severe mental issues in, in large part because of, of being tormented and being possessed demonically. And we'll talk about that. But what I want you to understand is, is that people can be sick in their minds just like they can be sick in their bodies. Yes. And, uh, you know, the, the Lord is all about healing every area of our lives. He wants our physical bodies to be healed. Of course, our spirits were healed when we were born again. I mean, not healed in the sense of uh, fixed. They were reborn. But God wants you healed in your soul. He wants your emotions well. He wants your mind well. He wants you to have peace. And so 
this story is very much about healing. And so we're going to look at it. So let's read it. I'm going to read it in its entirety, verses 1 through 17. And then as we do, we'll break it down verse by verse. So Mark 5, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he has said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered him, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. And now, now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And all at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, and there were about two thousand and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told in the, in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that had happened. And when they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him, who had been demon-possessed and about the swine, then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Now, as I said to you, not only is Jesus healer for the body, but he is also healer and deliverer for the mind. God wants your mind to be whole and sound. You know, as I said Sunday, and I'll say this all the time, and that is this, it is not God's will for you and me to have a tormented mind. That is mm -hmm. not the plan of God. He wants us to enjoy peace, to have mm -hmm. a sound mind, the scripture says. And so we see this man, obviously, in need of healing and deliverance from the Lord. So let's go back to verses 1 and 2. It says, Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. Now, if you were to look at a map of the Sea of Galilee, up in the north, far northwest corner is Capernaum, where Jesus' ministry was based. And down in the very, very southern tip of it, southeastern tip of the, the Sea of Galilee, was uh, this area called, the city called Gadara. Now, Gadara was part of what was called the Decapolis. The, the Decapolis was an area of 10 cities that were down along that lower portion of the Sea of Galilee. And it was just a group of cities that were known as the Decapolis. And you, you'll read where Jesus went to the Decapolis and he ministered there. And this is one occasion where he went down that way. Now notice it says in verse 2, when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. 
Now, notice the scripture says that this was an unclean spirit that had taken control of the man. One translation or, or another way you can translate the word unclean is impure. And so these spirits, these demonic spirits, and this is true even today, demonic spirits are called unclean uh, because there's nothing clean about them. And, and unclean spirits are not just one kind of demon. All demons are unclean spirits. They're impure spirits. And they desire, uh, another way to translate that word is to pollute. And demonic spirits have one motivation or one goal, and that is to pollute mankind, to, to bring mankind to a polluted state. And um, the one reason that, that the King James and other translations refer to it as an unclean spirit is to make sure that there was a clear differentiation between this spirit and the spirit of God. Of course, you know the Holy Spirit is pure and holy. There is nothing unclean about him. And so this makes a clear distinction between uh, godly spirits, which are angels, and the Holy Spirit, and your born-again spirit, and demonic spirits, which are all unclean. So look at verse 3. It says that this man who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one uh, could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. Now, it's interesting to me that this man had uh, a supernatural strength about him, uh, that this demonic spirit gave him strength beyond just human ability. Uh, notice that he was bound with chains, and uh, the, what that implies is that he uh, had, maybe they had tried binding him with ropes at some point or some other material, and he was just able to break free of that. And so uh, the, even the chains had been pulled apart from him, and the shackles that they had tried to place perhaps on his feet and his hands had been broken into pieces. Now notice it says, neither could anyone tame him. Now this statement is true except for one, and one just rolled up on the scene that could tame him. Now I want to say this, you don't tame demon spirits, you cast them out. And the one that could bring this man help just showed up on the shore. So what you see here is that the, this man was in a hopeless situation. You know, he was beyond the help of people. I, I'm sure there were well-intended people that lived there in Gadara that maybe had tried to help him, but he was beyond their help. He was beyond their hope. And look at verse 5. It says, In always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. Notice it says that he dwelt in the mountains and in the tombs. Now what's interesting about this is back in this day, uh, the mountains were uninhabitable. You know, people didn't live in the mountains. And obviously, just like today, it's not appropriate for people to live in the cemetery or the graveyard. So this man uh, was dwelling in uninhabited places. In other words, this demonic spirit had brought him to a place that he could not even dwell with the rest of society with any other people. He was living in a place where men ought not to live, 
and that is in a graveyard. Now think about that. You know, when we think about a graveyard, aside from a funeral, but you know, when you see a graveyard in a movie or something like that, it's always dark. It has a tendency to imply some type of horror movie or something like that. In other words, this man was being driven to live in this place that was dark. It was didn't have any light. It was, did not have any hope. And here this man was living there. Now, when the devil gets his way with people, he seeks to degrade people to such a low state. Okay, think about that. God's desire is to bring people up. God always moves in people's lives to bring them up. The devil will always work in people's lives to tear them down, to bring them down to a low state, to bring them to a place where, uh, you know, it is so low. And the reason he does this is it's an endeavor to try and insult God. Uh, because when he tries to work in people's lives and bring them to a place, I mean, think about how low this guy had gotten. You know, we, we see and encounter homeless people on a regular basis. This guy was, I think, below the level of just being homeless. Notice it says that, that night and day he was crying out. Now, one translation said he literally wept all day long. He was so miserable, so tormented, that all he could do was cry, you know, and, and, and one translation, this translation, the New King James says he did cry out. So can you imagine what it would have been like to live in that town of Gadara? And you could hear this guy off in the distance, night and day, crying out because he was so tormented. Mm -hmm. And notice it said that he uh, would cut himself with stones. See, the devil will also try and bring you to a place where you bring harm to yourself. He knows he can't directly harm you in that sense. He's got to get you to a place where you will harm yourself. And so that's what he's endeavoring always to do, to bring people to such a low place that they will begin to harm themselves. You know, we even see this today, uh, you know, where there are young people particularly that we see it where... Uh, they become so mentally distressed that they begin to cut themselves. We call them cutters today. Well, this is no different. This man was in a similar situation. And so notice it, it also says that he was living in a place, as I mentioned, that was separate from other people. Now, one thing you need to understand is that the devil will always try and push people to separate themselves from other people. He pushes people and drives people to isolate themselves. Now, there's nothing wrong, uh, you know, with, with having t uh, moments or times or seasons of solitude. You know, I like to, you know, have some quiet time myself where I'm not around people and there's nothing wrong with that. But, but that this guy was driven away uh -huh. from people separated from people. And the reason that the devil does this is because he knows that if help is going to come, it's going to come through another person. Mm -hmm. All right. So what he endeavors to do is to isolate people, separate them from other people so that he can have his way in their lives. And they're isolated and separated from people that can possibly bring them help. I remember... Mm -hmm. Uh, a story. I've, I've never been on a, a safari myself, but I have some friends that have. 
in uh, Africa, in South Africa in particular. And uh, one thing that you'll notice is that if you ever go on a safari out in the bush, your guide, you know, and you've probably seen pictures or videos of the, the vehicles that they drive around in out in the bush. And, you know, they'll have several people sitting in this vehicle and they'll pull up and you can see animals. And sometimes they'll pull up and you'll see a pride of lions there and so forth. And one thing that they will tell you is whatever you do, do not step out of the vehicle. And the reason being is lions and, and uh, cats of prey like that will not mess with you as long as there are multiple numbers. But once you are isolated and separated from the others, you are open for attack at that point. There, and there are cases where people have uh, stepped out. I read a story one time where uh, there was a group, I believe they were from Japan, that had gone on safari. And uh, the guide had pulled them up and they were watching a pride of lions. And the guide told them, he said, do not get out of the vehicle and one man uh, decided to get out of the vehicle so he could take pictures. And, and uh, he, the moment he stepped out of the vehicle, he didn't go but just a few steps from the vehicle, and one of the lions pounced on him and killed him. And the reason being is because, again, when, when the predator sees the group, they're not prone to attack. But once you get isolated from the group, yeah, that's when you are uh, subject to him attacking you. you. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 5, it says that our adversary is like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And this is why it is especially important uh, and dangerous for people who leave church and just get out and don't associate with the church. They just get out there on their own and think that they're fine and, you know, on their own, they're isolated and separated from other believers. And let me tell you something, that's a very susceptible place to be in. Uh, it, God wants you connected with a group because in that group, meaning other believers, you are less susceptible to become prey to the enemy. All right. So anyway, so the devil had pushed this guy to separate himself, even though people were not created for isolation. What did God tell or what did God say about Adam when he got ready to create Eve? You remember what it says? For it is not good for man to be alone. Absolutely. It, it, and it's not good for anybody to be alone. So we need each other. We need other people. But again, I want you to note that the, the enemy, the devil, had pushed this guy and separated him from all other people. So he was tormented to that degree. Now, here's what, here's what the devil is really after. He's all about erasing your human dignity. He's all about minimizing you to the point where you have no more human dignity left. So here's what I want to just tell you, just as a little precursor, as we dive deeper into this, anytime that you start to have thoughts of isolation and separation, resist those thoughts immediately because that's how the devil begins. That's his, his method of operation is to begin with thoughts and to begin to plant those things in your thinking. 
And so resist him. If he's pressuring you to separate yourself, he's pressuring you to uh, isolate yourself in any way. And so, uh, you know, begin to resist those thoughts if they come to you. Now, again, we saw that this man had no relief day and night, no relief day and night. Um, you know, thank goodness if we have pain in our physical bodies, you know, today we have some medications that we can take that can bring relief from the pain so we can get some rest. This guy had no relief from the pain. I can imagine, you know, the Bible clearly says that he uh, was awake night and day. He, he was probably so sleep deprived. And you know how you get mentally when you get sleep deprived, you lose all your sharpness, your coherence, all of that. And he had no peace of mind and he absolutely had no hope of getting better. Now, one thing you need to understand about this part of the country where, where Jesus went to on this southeast corner tip of the Sea of Galilee is they were isolated and separated from the rest of Galilee and Judea where Jesus would have been ministering. And so it is very unlikely that these people knew anything or if they knew anything about Jesus, it was very little. They might have heard snippets or something like that, but nothing like we see in the other areas where Jesus went to minister. So in the natural, it looked like this man was beyond all help. But I got good news. When it looked like there was no help, the helper showed up anyway. And so I want to I want to just let that be a message to us that in the natural, when it looks like there is no help, that is a great opportunity for us to turn to Jesus because Jesus wants to be our helper. So when this man was at his lowest point, here Jesus rolls up on the scene. Now I want to, you know, somebody might ask the question, well, why did Jesus go down there to minister? Well, you'll see in just a moment uh, the depth of this, but think about this for just a moment. This whole town probably knew who this man was. This whole town knew the state that this man was in. The scripture says they could hear him crying out night and day. So the Lord or the Holy Spirit sent Jesus down to minister to this one man because he knew the impact that that could have on the whole region for this man to be set free. All right. So now just as a little side note, uh, in the natural, as I said, there was no help. So Jesus, not only listen to me carefully, paid the price for you to be born again, paid the price for you to have a healed body, but he paid the price for you to have a peaceful and a calm mind. Jesus wants you to have a peaceful and a calm mind. Now, yeah, a side benefit was the impact that it could have on the community, but you need to understand something. Jesus loved this man, and Jesus does not want anybody to be tormented to this degree. You know, 2 Timothy 1.7, you know the scripture, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Listen to this verse from the Amplified. It says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear, 
but he has given us a spirit of power and of love, and listen to this, and of a calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. God wants you to have a calm, well-balanced, disciplined, and self-controlled mind. And he has given us his spirit to help us with this. So listen, use your faith for your mind just like you do your physical body. Speak to your mind. Speak words. Speak God's word over your mind. Declare peace over your mind. Declare peace over your soul, over your emotions. And uh, use your faith in that area just like you would in any other area. All right, so let's go down. Let's look at verse 6. And let's look at verses 6 through 8. It says, And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he, he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Now, I'm going to unravel because there's a lot of he's in there. And I want you to understand who was saying what and who was doing what. So notice it says in verse 6, when he saw Jesus from afar, he, the man, ran and worshipped him. Now, the word worship there in this particular verse does not mean worship like we would worship the Lord, you know, as, as our Lord and Savior and that type of thing. The word actually can mean to be prostrate before him. So what this means is, is that the man ran towards Jesus. Now, what I have to believe is, is that when the man saw Jesus, he knew that this was his help. There was something about Jesus that the man recognized that this is my hope and this is my help. This is my one opportunity to be able to get free. And so he came and he fell down at Jesus' feet. Now, verse 7 says... And he cried out. Now, this is the man's voice, but now the spirit is speaking through him. The demon is. And he says, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. All right. So what's interesting about this, notice it says that the man needed no introduction to Jesus. In verse 7, the spirit knew who he was. The demon knew who Jesus was. And notice the spirit, of course, speaking through the man's vocal cords, recognized and acknowledged this is Jesus, uh, son of the most high God. And so notice Jesus didn't have to come up and say, uh, hand him a business card and say, hey, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. I'm anointed by God. He didn't have to do any of that. The demon recognized who the man was. The man physically, the, the, the man himself did not know who Jesus was, but the spirit recognized him. And so the man is running to Jesus, and it says that uh, while he's running to him, notice what it says in verse 7, uh, or verse 8 rather, for he said, he, Jesus, said to the man, or said to him, the spirit, come out of the man, unclean spirit. So let me paint this picture. The man sees Jesus. The man takes off running towards Jesus. While he is on his way to Jesus, 
Jesus commands the spirit to come out of the man uh, and unclean spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. How did Jesus know what he was dealing with? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit revealed it to him. Okay. Now, this is something very, very important. And I want you to listen to me carefully. You and I cannot go around casting demons out because we suspect that there's a demon. We can only cast out a demon if the Holy Spirit reveals to you that there's a demon present. Now, here's why. Listen to me carefully. Because if the Holy Spirit reveals that to you, then the anointing will be present to to drive or to cast that spirit out. All right? Let me say it to you this way. You and your faith alone in the name of Jesus is not enough to cast a demon out of somebody else. You and your faith in the name of Jesus can stop the devil's work in your life, but you and your faith and the name of Jesus cannot stop the devil's work in somebody else's life. Are you, are you, are you tracking with me? Okay. Yeah. So the anointing has to be present for the power to be there to make this devil leave. All right. So when the, when the Holy Spirit revealed this to Jesus, of course, we know Jesus was anointed. But what I want you to see is, is on his way, Jesus had already spoken to the Spirit and told it to come out. Okay? Are you, are you tracking with me? Mm-hmm. Now, when, when you walk in your authority, demon spirits recognize that authority just like they did when Jesus walked upon the earth. You need to understand that, all right? They know who you are. They're hoping you don't know who you are. Okay? Because if you, and I know this might sound like I'm contradicting what I just said, but if you know who you are in Christ, and you know the authority that you have in the name of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit moves upon you to minister to someone in this way, you will not struggle with it. Okay? Now, I've, I've had, I, I, early on, back in the 80s, I had an encounter with a, a demon-possessed girl and tried to cast the Spirit out in my own strength and my own ability, and it was unsuccessful. I'll just tell you that. And it did not go well, okay? And so what happened? Was the name of Jesus not enough? No, it wasn't. Not in that situation because here's number one, the girl didn't want to be set free. She liked her demon, okay? And, and then secondly, you have to have the help of the Holy Spirit. You mm-hmm. have to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, listen to me carefully. You can stop any kind of demonic activity any effort of the devil in your life with your faith and with the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But you can't do anything about the devil in my life or anybody else's life unless, number one, they want to be set free, and number two, you have the help of the Holy Spirit. All right? Very, very important that you understand that because I don't want you to, 
to get in trouble. Because you remember, you remember the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts? You remember what happened to them? You know, they were going around trying to cast the devil out of a guy. And uh, they, they said this. They said, we adjure you that you have to come out in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. And the, the Spirit said, Paul we know and Jesus we know, but who are you? And long story short, the, the supernatural power that was on that man whooped up on those seven guys, beat them to where they were out of their clothes and naked and running down the street. Now that's a bad scene right there. You don't want to end up like that, all right? So make sure you have the power of the Holy Spirit. So um, now G notice the demon is tormenting the man, but when Jesus shows up, now I like this. Listen to what, what the demon said. Um, he said in verse seven, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Now here, this, 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 these demons were tormenting this guy, but when Jesus shows up, they don't want to be tormented. In other words, they can dish it out, but they can't take it. You mm -hmm. ever heard that saying before? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so demons can dish out torment, but they can't take any torment. Now, how could Jesus torment the devil, how, or this demon? How could he torment him? Notice what he said. It says in verse 8, he told him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Now listen to me carefully. I'm going to give you a little insight on demonic activity. Mm -hmm. Demons thrive when they occupy a body because that ah. gives them the ability to express themselves. Mm. Outside of a physical body, when they can no longer express themselves, it torments them. So in Jesus casting this devil out, it was going to cause this demon to experience torment. All right? Mm. Now, um, so when, when Jesus gave the command, come out, uh, thine unclean spirit, when the man was running to him, notice there was no change. The demon did not come out of the man. So in verse 9, it says, then Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now I want to say this here. Don't carry on conversations with demons. Yeah. Here's why. The number one reason why. They will lie to you. Yes. Okay? Amen. They, do, they know nothing of the truth. Nothing of the truth. And if you, you parlay and start having conversations with them, they're going to lie to you and have you just all goofed up by the lies that they tell you, all right? Mm -hmm. So Jesus had to ask this question because he needed insight as to what he was dealing with because he knew by the Holy Ghost that this was greater than just one demon, mm -hmm. all right? So he said, he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, my name is Legion for we are many. Now, it's interesting that the Spirit called himself Legion Notice what he said, for we are many. Now, here's what's interesting. You, you remember the scripture where Jesus said that if a spirit is cast out of somebody, that, uh, that the spirit will wander around and then come back. And when he finds the house clean and swept clean, mm -hmm. if nothing has, full, has been 
put in its place. He will go and bring seven spirits with him that were worse than the first. Do you uh -huh. remember that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, the reason that this man or the spirit said we are legion is, get this, a legion in Roman army times meant a minimum of 1,200 men in a legion, Ooh. in a Roman legion. So this man had, had given himself over to a minimum of 1,200 demonic spirits. Ooh. Now we're going to find out in just a minute that it was a, at least 2,000, okay? Think about that. One man was being possessed by 2,000 spirits. You're in bad shape when, when you find yourself in that kind of situation. All right. So notice in Mark five, verse 10, and the demon also begged Jesus earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now, what's interesting about that is demon spirits work very slowly. They don't have the ability to produce miracles like God's spirit does. So they have to work very slowly and very methodically. Just like in your life, they will start with the thought and work on you thought upon thought, thought upon thought, and build layers like that. And it takes a long time. And what these spirits had done is over a long period of time is they had worked in this man and in this region to build a great level of influence. Now, this is why I believe the Holy Spirit led Jesus down to this part was so that he could set this man free because of the level of influence the demons had had in this particular region. All right. Uh -huh. So notice the demon said, hey, listen, don't cast us out of the country. In other words, we've worked really hard to establish what we've done here and we don't want you to make us leave. Verse mm -hmm. 11 says, now a large herd of, of swine was feeding there near the mountain. So all the demons begged him saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. Now, somebody might ask the question, well, why didn't Jesus cast the demons into the abyss and rid the world of their influence once and for all? Well, there's a great reason. And it's simply this, because it was not time. It is still not time for that to take place. You know, in, in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 29, in Matthew's account of this same story, it says this, And suddenly the demons cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, Son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? Mm -hmm. See, they know the time. They don't know when that time is. Let me say it to you this way. They know an event is coming, but they don't know when that event will take place. Yeah. Now, Jesus could not cast these demons out into the abyss because that time has not yet come. Now, let me just further explain it this way. Demon spirits have a legal right to operate in the planet right now. Okay, just like Satan yeah. has a legal right to operate in the planet right now because of Adam's sin. Mm -hmm. 
Now there will come a time when Adam's window that he gave over to Satan, but his window, his lease, if you will, is ending. It will end. Yes. Now, when that happens, the scripture tells us in the book of Revelation that all the demonic spirits and Satan himself will be cast into the abyss. Satan will be cast there for a thousand years while Jesus establishes his thousand year reign. Then eventually, after that thousand years is over, Satan will be judged and he will be permanently cast into the lake of fire to bother people no more. All right. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what's interesting is that um, the demons knew that this event was coming, but they did not know when that was. And here's the interesting thing is, you remember Jesus told the disciples, he said, no man knows the day or the hour. It's in only the father knows. All right. Mm -hmm. Listen, this timetable is only in the heart of God. Even Jesus doesn't know when his return is. Okay? Only God knows that. So Jesus could not cast these spirits into the abyss because the appointed time had not yet come. So can I say it to you this way? His hands were tied, if you will, to what he could do with these demonic spirits. And so in Luke 8, 31, in Luke's account, it says, then they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. And of course, he didn't. Now, he was not extending mercy to them by allow allowing them to go into the swine. It just wasn't time for them to be cast into the abyss. Now, I want to ask you a question. Why do you think Jesus was so ready to give permission for these spirits to go into the, the swine? You know what swine are, right? Mm, yeah. what, are, what are swine? Oh. Hogs. Okay, pigs. All right. <laughs> so why was Jesus so ready to allow these spirits to leave this man and go into the hogs? They're unclean. Absolutely. First of all, Jews had no business raising hogs. Mm -hmm. Yet here was a hog farmer that had at least that we know of 2000 hogs. That's a lot of pigs and a lot of pork mm -hmm. for people who weren't supposed to eat pork. Okay. Now I'm not trying to be funny, but it's, it's the truth. They were considered unclean. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus cast unclean spirits into unclean animals? Mm. Yes. Okay. Mm. All right. So, um, Now, let me say this, going back to talking about the abyss thing, you can stop the devil's operation in your life anytime you choose by faith in the word of God and in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Understand that, okay? You can stop it anytime you want to. But as far as the destination of that spirit, you know, and I've heard people pray, you know, uh, Satan, we take authority over you. We cast you out into the abyss. Well, you know, he just laughs at stuff like that. Okay? No. You, it's, it's none of your business where he goes. <laughs> just, just your concern is he doesn't, he doesn't have any more, anything else to do with you. All right? In Jesus' name. All right? Mm -hmm. All right. So look at verse 13. 
and it says, and at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. And here's how we know how many. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So we know that there must have been somewhere about 2,000 spirits involved in this man because that's how many swine ended up jumping off the cliff. Okay, Now, I want to pose something to you. Now listen to me very carefully. If this man, the, the human being, this man, his unborn again, unrecreated spirit could accommodate 2,000 demon spirits, imagine the power that is contained in your born again human spirit by the Spirit of God. Amen. Okay, I want you to think about that. Here, you know, 2,000 demons could occupy the spirit of this man who was lost, but yet we want to minimize what the Holy Spirit is able to do in and through us who are born again. Okay? That's absolutely mind-boggling to me. And, and, and listen, we're all guilty of it. What we need to do is we need to just meditate on that and think about that and allow mm. the Holy Spirit to have His way in our lives. Amen? Yes. All right. Yeah. So that's why, if you make a note of this verse. We're running out of time, but make a note of this verse. Ephesians 3.19 says this, that you may, and this is the Amplified, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, and that you may be filled through all your being, get this, unto the fullness of God, that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body holy filled and flooded with God himself. Listen, Jesus paid a great price so that you and I don't have to be filled wall to wall with demons. We can be Amen. filled wall to wall with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. So verse 14 and 15. And so those who fed the swine fled. So all their pigs jump off the cliff and they told they, they ran and they told it in the city and the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. And then verse 15, then they came to Jesus and they saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now think about that, y'all. They were, they had grown so accustomed to this guy being demon-possessed and behaving the way that he behaved, being tormented, crying out day and night, living in the graveyard, and, and people trying to bind him. They couldn't bind him. He broke the chains, all of that. They had grown so accustomed to that. When Jesus shows up and delivers the man, he's sitting there clothed and in his right mind like a normal human being should be. Now they're afraid. What are they afraid of? Jesus. <laughs> they're afraid of Jesus. Okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, but think about that. 
So the people who were once afraid of the man who was demon-possessed now are afraid of the man who set him free. How ridiculous is that? Verses 16 and 17. It says, And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then get this, verse 17. Then they began to plead with Jesus to depart from their region. Now, if that's not backwards thinking, I don't know what is. I mean, here you visibly can see this man who got set free. He's clothed. He's acting normal. He's in his right mind. There's Jesus who performed this in and for him. And yet, because, uh, because of your thinking is so twisted, you beg Jesus to leave mm. town. Mm. I mean, that's just crazy to me. Um, they, they wanted to deliver instead of going finding other people that needed help and bringing them to Jesus they're so disturbed by this one man getting set free they want Jesus to leave pack up and leave alright so verse and I love this part verses 18 through 20 when he got into the boat he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. Oh, I love that. This man was so thankful, so grateful for what okay. Jesus had done. He was mm. now free. He now had peace. His mind no longer tormented him, and he was mm. able to be a part of normal life and society. And, you know, we don't know if he had family, or and all of that was restored to him. And so all he could think about was, Jesus, let me go with you. I just want to be with you. I'm so thankful for what you did for me. Verse 19, however, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, listen to what Jesus said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Now, most of the time, if not every other time we read in the Gospels, where Jesus ministered to someone and healed them or set them free, what was his instructions to them? Go and tell. Don't go and tell. Mm -hmm. All right? Don't go and tell. Why? Because they knew Jesus knew that if they went and told, it would hinder his ministry because of mm -hmm. the multitudes would come just to watch a show. Mm -hmm. All right? But this is one of the few cases, if not the only case, where Jesus told somebody... You go and tell everybody you can what has happened to you and what, what the Lord has done for you. Mm. All right? Now, and I believe, other than setting this man free, as I mentioned to you earlier, this is one of the main reasons that Jesus came here to do this. Can I say it to you this way? Jesus ordained this guy as a preacher and sent him out to go preach. What did he send him out to go preach? He said, go home, tell your friends, tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Listen, one man, one person that has been touched by the ministry of Jesus and healed or set free or delivered can go and turn a whole town, a whole region upside down, just preaching and proclaiming what Jesus has done for them. And here's the cool thing about it. The truth of it is Jesus is no respect to our persons and what he did for one, he wants to do for all. Verse 20, 
And he departed, the man departed, and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, and all marveled. Listen, they all knew who he was. They knew who he was. He had a reputation. But thank God, he now has a new reputation as a man that's set free in his right mind, able to function like God created him to function, all because Jesus had set him free. Amen? All right. So praise God. Thank God that this man was set free. Thank God we have record of it. Hallelujah. Now, again, I, I just want to encourage you. Listen, don't tolerate stuff that the enemy wants to bring into your life. He's trying to bring you down. God wants to bring you up. Keep the word of God in your mind. Keep the word of God before your eyes. Keep it in your mouth and resist the devil. Resist those thoughts that come. Resist those things that come against you telling you that you can't uh, you know, that, that you can't be healed, that you can't become what God wants you to become, that you can accomplish God's will. You can. And through the help of the Holy Spirit and by the word of God, you will become everything that God wants you to become in Jesus name. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.